Oh, okay. That's all right. Thank you. Hi. Um, So let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to get started, shall we? Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and just look at your word, hear your word speak to us. Allow this time of fellowship and discussion to be fruitful and beneficial for all of us. Lord, we know that you care about us. Sometimes we have trouble seeing it, but Lord, help us through this particular lesson and even this study. Recognize that you truly are a wonder and you are to be cherished and appreciated for your very presence. Even though there may be pain or difficulty or struggling or suffering, we recognize that presence is indeed very valuable. It is a comforting presence. And we thank you. We give you praise for all these things. And we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. A quick update, um, I think, is appropriate as well, too. We have been sharing with you about our friend who uh, has cancer. It turns out to be his bone cancer and prostate cancer, and he has decided now to uh, just go into hospice. It's a decision that he is making um, on his own. He's just tired of the the pain and the suffering, and he's just tired of the uh, in and out of the hospital routine that's been going on all year long. And bone cancer, from what I understand, is very, very painful, from what I've been told. It's a very painful uh, way of suffering. And so he's decided to go into hospice. When, when you go into hospice, that means that basically you go into palliative care. Those, are you, those of you who are in nursing or who know about that know what palliative care is. It's essentially where they're just medi- they're managing the pain. That's really all it is. It's pain and comfort at this point. And in hospice, um, you typically are given a diagnosis of a, cer- a certain period of time. And the doctor, I think, had mentioned that... Um, uh, our friend has a number of weeks um, if he stops all cancer treatment. Um, weeks can mean a few weeks here, get you through maybe up to the holiday or maybe just after the holiday, and that's about it. So that was the decision that was made. So now you have to counsel the wife, encourage her as much as possible. Uh, you're going to counsel... Um, Her mother, who just lost her husband a few weeks ago. Um, So it's going to be a tough road to go. These are scenarios that you wouldn't want to wish on anybody, but this is exactly what we as believers are going to run into. You're going to have these situations where you're going to have to be very, very sensitive to what's happening in those families. One of the things that's really important uh, for us to do is to see that it's not the time to be preachy. It's not the time to be... Uh, giving, throwing out Bible verses, it's the time more to be more of a presence. Um, it's something that I learned in studying to be a chaplain. The most important thing for you to do is to be there. Be there and be an encouragement. You don't need to say a whole lot of cute things. You don't need to say anything more than what, frankly, the Holy Spirit gives you to say. Um, but that's something that we all are experiencing Understand that you're going to get all kinds of stuff coming back at you. Where you're wondering, why does God hate me? Why is God not like me? Why am I going through these things? And that's exactly what you're going to hear. Because you have to understand, not everybody understands or has the same perspective that you do about who God truly is. 
if you don't have a healthy view of God, guess what? You're going to think God hates you. You're going to think those very things. You're going to think he hates you. You're going to take it personally. When we know that that is absolutely contrary to God's character, of course he doesn't hate you. He allows things to happen that we won't begin to understand, but we also know that the end game in all of this and the end result is that God is going to be glorified in how he works through people. And that's ultimately what we need to remember and keep in mind. We're all part of this great painting, this big canvas that we have in life. And that, pain, that, that painting, that canvas changes over time as you grow up. The view of life changes and that, that, that painting changes as we go through life. And so you're going to experience these things. You're going to experience very happy times. You're going to experience very, very difficult times. These are all things we need to keep in mind as we're counseling other people. So I ask for your prayers while we navigate through this personally. Thank you. While we navigate through these things personally in giving comfort and encouragement to the wife of the person who is going into hospice. And she's kind of been rather public about it because she's been posting on Facebook about expressing, you know, uh, need for prayer and things like that. We have to understand that that's what's happening. Um, and she's sharing how she's brokenhearted. This is, you know, her husband, the love of her life, who's choosing to go into hospice. Very, very tough. Be sensitive. Remain sensitive to others. God truly does deliver us. He delivers us in ways we don't always understand, but he does indeed deliver us. For a refresher, let's go back to Acts chapter 6. Let's take a look at a passage. And this is the passage where we already went over how God delivered Elijah, God delivered Hezekiah, God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can't say that fast, too fast. Many times you just keep mispronouncing names. And then finally, how God delivered Stephen. In Acts chapter 6, Verses 8 through 15, we're going to read that passage and then we're going to flip over to chapter 7 in a moment. Reading from the uh, English Standard Version, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Understand something. If you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, Satan cannot beat you. Satan's opposition, he will oppose you, absolutely, but he can't beat you. You have, you're on the winning side. As long as you're acting and living according to the Spirit, you're on the winning side. You can't be defeated. So no matter what the opposition is, remember that when we look at how the spirit is not going to be knocked down or beaten down just because there's opposition. And we know that opposition comes from Satan himself. Verse 11. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. It doesn't mean you won't be persecuted. You certainly will. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place 
and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. A face of innocence. Very, very important for us to understand that that's not being left out. That's something that you need to understand and see about who Stephen is and what his character is and how he is appearing before other people. Now let's go to chapter 7, Acts 7. Verses 54 through 60. And again, the heading for those who weren't here last week, remember that the heading here for some of you may be the stoning of Stephen. This is after Stephen has gone through his whole diatribe and has had conversation about how these people are evil, how they've opposed Jesus Christ, how they oppose everything about him. There were those that were there that were witnesses when he was being crucified and he continued to just now say those things. And finally, in verse 54 of Acts chapter 7, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In other words, he died. He fell asleep is a term where he just, he died right there. The Lord just took him home. Now, that's something that we need to understand that did... God deliver Stephen. Yes. Why do you say that? He took him from what? He took him to himself. Well, what was he going through at that point? Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you think Stephen knew that he was not going to live through this experience? I would say yes. I would say yes. And the reason why I would say that is because he truly was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit, remember, the Spirit communicates with you early and often sometimes when there are things that are going on. Like when you're trying to counsel somebody, the Spirit is actually giving you information on how to counsel a person. Before the words are spoken, you already know what you're going to be saying to this other person. And before the words are spoken, before you say something really goofy, sometimes the Spirit has to tell you don't say that. Amen? That's, that's, that's how the Spirit works. Every one of us who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ has a Spirit that dwells within us that gives us guidance on how to speak to people. We get in trouble when we ignore this guidance, where we start speaking on our own. The worst thing you can tell somebody is that, well, maybe it was God's will. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. Well, first of all, it may have been God's will, but it's irrelevant to the point. It's certainly, it might have been God's will. So you're basically saying something you don't need to say. It's not relevant. No one wants to hear about it's God's will that somebody got taken away from here. No one wants to hear that. It's unnecessary. This is what we have to always keep in mind, that the Spirit must be part of your regular, daily 
lexicon, speaking to people, communication with people. It's part of everything that you do. You have to be sensitive to the Spirit. Now, I tell you this because in the flesh, you don't want to do that. You have to call upon the Spirit. I have to call upon the Spirit all the time because I'm in the flesh. You know, if, you, if you don't call upon the Spirit, you're going to be in the flesh. You're going to have responses in the flesh. You're going to say things in the flesh. You're going to act in the flesh. You're going to do things in the flesh. That's who you are, whether you like it or not. That's who you are. So you have to call upon the flesh. Now here, Stephen, he could see the promised land. Remember when Martin Luther King said the, in his last speech before he was assassinated about how I have, I've been to the promised land? You know, sometimes that's viewed as a very prophetic speech. Because he knew that he was being attacked. Of course, the FBI was attacking him. Everybody, you know, if you go back and look at history and historical documents that report this stuff, he knew he was being attacked. He knew he was, that someone was coming after him. He didn't know exactly where or how it was going to happen. But he made that speech. He says, I've, I've seen the promised land. Well, it's a figure of speech. But I really believe that he knew that his time was short. And when you know your time is short, you're going to say things that reflect that. And that's exactly what he did. Well, Stephen, when he looks up into heaven, he says, The heavens open, verse 56, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That is a very vivid vision that he had that no one else had at that point. But what is he seeing? The very thing that we talk about in Scripture, how the Son of Man is seated at the right hand of God like on a throne this imagery this vision that he has is an actual vision something that Stephen saw because he knew where he was headed at that point if you see that that's it that pretty much means you're heading up there that was being revealed to him and the other thing too to point out again in verse 57 I do I know I mentioned it last week but I'll say it again but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. When you don't want to hear God's truth, you will block it out any way you can. You'll yell and scream and you'll cover your ears. When you yell and scream and cover your ears, you are only hearing yourself. Try it sometime. That's all you can hear. You won't hear anything else. So these men were clearly acting on behalf of Satan to pursue Stephen for the purpose of eliminating him and eliminating his voice. So Stephen became the first martyr that we know about in Scripture, killed because of his zeal. And this was a zealous moment, a zeal for Christ. So God delivered Stephen from any additional pain and suffering God delivered him. He made his testimony. He made his appeal. And if you recall, after that, that's when all kinds of Christians were being persecuted. So we need to keep that in mind. So we go back and we look now back at our study. Any questions about this, about God delivering Stephen? Anybody have any other 
it's okay to discuss this because, you, you know, when we're talking about someone's life being taken away, we're saying that this is an act of deliverance as well, too. Anybody have any questions about that? We have more people with us this week. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's flesh. It's fleshly behavior. Well, we, babies learn. They learn about good and evil very early. And we have to counter that with teaching. Instruction. These wild kids are running around. We have to counter that with teaching. And I say wild kids, you know, the, the people at the daycare, they encounter wild kids every now and then. Every now and then. Wink, wink. I'm trying to be cool about it, you know. But this is what we have to counter. We have to teach this stuff. Now, we're not teaching Bible class to kids in daycare, but we are teaching principles. We are teaching good behaviors. We're teaching what's appropriate. And we have to sometimes counter the non-existent teaching or negative teaching that comes from home. So that's what you have to fight against. You have to do that. But deliverance comes from God in different ways. So going back to the handout, page three, based on what the Bible describes as God's deliverance, I believe God delivered Regina. That's the young lady who was raped and murdered. It wasn't in the way that I would have chosen, yet I believe it was his compassionate choice. And then you have to understand that... uh, Jennifer Rothschild mentioned this. I, wrote, I read this last week. I'm going to read it again for you, some of you, because you weren't here. My friend, you may have endured something so awful that you are weeping right now, just recalling it and wondering why God let you go through it. The fact that you are doing this study tells me you are gutsy and willing to push yourself even through your fear, frustration, or fatigue. What has been such a huge missing piece in your life can become a place others will deposit their tears and find hope even when their lives don't make sense. This is significant. We need to understand that we don't always know everybody's business. If some people have shared about their past publicly, and some of us in this room have done that, that that past takes a lifetime sometimes to come through. It takes a lifetime. It's not something that you just, after 15 years, okay, I'm, you know, I'm better now. No, when it's that traumatic, it takes a long time. It takes a lifetime. But yet it was allowed to happen, but it was allowed to happen for a greater purpose. This is what we have to see and understand, that God is even compassionate even in this healing process that's taking place. You need to understand that he is showing compassion. You are still going to be a mighty testimony about how you prevailed in getting through that situation. You know, in sports, there's all kinds of analogies. You can have a blowout win, 45 to nothing, or you can have a one-point win, 21 to 20. A win is a win. 
And sometimes getting through a very traumatic situation like that is a win. It may not feel like it, but it's still a win. And God is still using you, if you're here, still here to talk about it. Understand that that's what it's all about. Doesn't mean you won't be crying. Doesn't mean there won't be tears. Doesn't mean there won't be suffering. Doesn't mean there won't be anguish. But yet he is there to help see you through those tragedies. Experience him and be able to communicate with others who are struggling. That's discipleship. That's ministry. That's what it's all about. God is still using you. And will continue to use you. We just don't understand why we have to go through stuff like that. But it says here, God does care. Your church family cares. Keep holding on. How many of you are praying for your fellow church members? This is what it's all about. This is what fellowship is all about. You should be praying for your fellow church members. We don't know all your business, but we know you got business. Amen? Don't know, we don't need to know all your business. That's something that ultimately is up to you between you and the Lord, isn't it? But we know you got business because we all have it. We all have business. Sometimes we get to the point where we're quiet about stuff. Amen? Tell me this is true about you. We get quiet about stuff and then suddenly, you know, just like when you have water that's rising and it starts leaking, stuff starts coming out of you. Because there's a point or a threshold where you have to start talking about stuff. And you share with people close to you about things. Because I've experienced this. I've seen it happen. Seen it at work. Seen it, you know, wherever I go. People just start talking to you. Folks just start talking in the grocery store sometimes. In the grocery store. These are total strangers. But guess what? That, guess what's going on in their lives? Stuff's bubbling up. And then you start talking. Because we all need to get it out of our system sometimes, however we do it. You're in ministry at all times. It's a constant thing. Always be ready. Remember what I said about the Spirit? Let the Spirit speak for you. This is a regular practice that we should be in, encountering. Let the Spirit speak. Let the Spirit speak for you. We had an encounter... Um, Travis and I, we were taking some, some books and records from my mother's house uh, up to half-price books. Because you can get money for that stuff. You know, it's, it's old stuff. And so while we were waiting and we were browsing, there was another man who came in who actually had gone to Parkside, had been there for many years, and I think left right after you did. Um, and he just started talking. He was an Australian had an accent, and he just started talking. And his wife, I, I asked the question because the Spirit told me to ask him the question. How is your wife doing right now? Because he didn't talk about her a whole lot. He was talking for a while. But I had the sense that something wasn't right. I asked the question. How's your wife doing right now? He says, you know, she's not really going to church with me. And that's been a bit of a struggle. 
convincing him because he's kind of like on fire for the Lord and is trying to learn all kinds of, done all kinds of reading and, and all those things. And not to bore you with all that, but I said, I'm going to pray for you and your wife right now that she becomes like-minded and also, frankly, gets to know the Lord better. Because that's a, a bit of contention. You know, he's on fire. She's like maybe lukewarm. That's tough. That's a tough thing. Always be sensitive to the Spirit. Because I don't know where it came from other than the fact that the Spirit told me to ask the question. He can do that for you too. He does it for you. He gives you that sensitivity that you need sometimes. When someone needs to hear words of encouragement and prayer, he will give that to you. He'll do that for you. And even though he doesn't understand why this stuff is happening the way it is, doesn't really matter. doesn't understand it. It's happening. So you need to be sensitive and pray about it. Yeah. No. First time. Yes, that was after hearing him talk for a while and the Spirit kind of nudged me and said, you know what, ask the question. Very true. That's why we have to have these conversations. That's why we have to talk about these very things. We have to talk about what does it really mean to be in a fellowship? What does it really mean to be in a church? It's not a social club. It's not a place where you just get together. I mean, we're here for a purpose and a reason. We're here because we're, the Lord is, is teaching us constantly about what it is to be a believer and learning about being a believer and learning about this relationship you have with him and what to do with that relationship. You had your hand up. Good point. It does start with you. Mm-hmm. It does start with you. Mm-hmm. understand. It's kind of like getting the fish in the boat. 
True. There has to be movement. Yeah. There has to be movement. Were you done? I'm sorry. No, well, no. I mean, I, I, no, I saw someone's hand go up. I didn't want to. Okay. Okay. That was good. Yes. Sure. So, <laughs> and some people do. <laughs> some people feel like it should be separated, but for me, I look at it as where else can I be vulnerable? If I'm going through personal things, mm-hmm. am I going to go out there and tell the world, or should I share that with my church family? I think you're answering your own question. Right. But the, answer, the question is, how do I know when I feel safe? Right. That's the answer question, which is very uh, that's safe. When you buy a lock and put it on something, guess what most of us do? We jerk the lock after we. <laughs> you check to make sure it's still locked. You know, that's right. We lock up our door and then we pull on the handle to make sure or push in on it to make sure mm-hmm. it's locked. The only way sometime you're going to really have that security or safety is if you're willing to take the risk to see, because even in church life, that's how you're going to learn who you can trust. You have to take a risk. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Right. Amen. That's right. Yeah, you do. You said just like you ain't no. Because not everybody can handle what you might 
I think we've been saying that too. I think you have to know as over time, as you're developing relationships, who you can share with in confidence and know who to pray to. It's not about everybody's business. It's not. There are certain things you can say publicly in front of other people, in front of everybody in the church. There are certain things you just can't. And it has to be with a close relationship person who trusts you, you trust them. That's what you need. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to represent. You can't be friends with everybody. You know, we have, we have acquaintances, we have friends, we have people we see all the time. But you can't be friends with everybody because that doesn't work. All right, I'm going to get Lynn had her hand up and I'll come back to you and then you. Cause I know. Well, that's, that's what it's all about. Go ahead. Right. Don't offer pat advice. Right. When someone is really, really, really hurting, or right. when they're really hurting, or when they're yeah. just hurting, mm-hmm. listen to people. Yeah. And it's just it's it's the combination. It's what faith says, and what you're talking about is you should be able to be vulnerable. But what Ed I think is alluding to is that sometimes life teaches you that some people you can't do that. You can't do that. But if you love to, but they're just going to snap at you. They're just going to you shouldn't be doing going through this. You're God's child. This should be better for you. It's like well. Okay, it's not. What are we going to do with that? They're not going to help you at that moment. You have to kind of learn who you can talk to. I mean, some folks you'd love to be able to share and be that open with. And some people you have that relationship with where you feel like I can talk to them and they hear me and I hear them and they know my heart and they don't come in with a bunch of advice right away. They listen carefully. They listen to God and what He's telling them and then help me to offer what I would have best. And it's like that discernment. And that's the biggest, that's the word I keep mm-hmm. coming back to. Discernment. Like, Absolutely. That's and that's exactly what should happen. And I think to Pastor Gus's point about do you go to the world for answers or do you go to a place where it truly is safe in the Lord? Now, I apologize. We had several people had their hand up. I'm going to go ahead and get Beth real quick and we'll circle back around. But. Right. 
spiritual relationship right with God, and God will take care of them. Pray for them. Absolutely. She said, well, I came to you because I know you tell me the truth. I was like, I don't know about telling the truth, but that's what I said. Your relationship with God is more important than your relationship with your pastor or his wife or anything else. Get your relationship with God. Now, Beth, I called on Beth. She has just made the point I was about to make. You have to start with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else will develop and fall into place, including how you talk to people, how you counsel people, how you listen to people, how they minister to you, how they pray for you. It starts with your relationship. That's what I said earlier. Your relationship with the Lord is what's most important because everything spawns from that, including how you counsel other people, how you speak to other people, how the Spirit works through you. Remember I said... I have to go after the Spirit because I'll just be in the flesh if I don't. And that's true for all of us. We all have fleshly responses. And I think that this, this kind of touches a point here about how we do need to understand what's most important. God cares about you first. He does care about your well-being. He knows you've been through stuff. Guess why? He was a part of that. He absolutely understands that. He does care about what you're going through. But you went through it for a reason and a purpose that you may not understand, but ultimately, he's the one who gets the glory. And I don't mean to say it in such a matter-of-factly uh, way, because that ultimately is the end result of all of it, but there's so much in between there that's taking place. Your personal growth and development, how you speak to other people, how you're growing in the Lord... We all have room for growth. We all have room for improvement. Okay, Pearl, I'm sorry. Yeah. Nope. You don't live on an island. That's right. Yeah. Because it's not safe to rule, hone in and wear you out. Yeah. And make you feel that you just lost it all. That's right. So you gotta be vulnerable somewhere. That's right. And it I think I heard Dad say in the pulpit, uh, it can't always be your wife or your husband. You can't overload there either. Right. That's right. Turn to Matthew chapter 4, everybody. We're going to move on. This was great discussion, and we're welcome to continue this discussion later on. As we say, as you can see, there's the five-minute warning anyway. Um, but let's go through this real quick, because this is Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, describes another type of deliverance that is really, really tough. To where was Jesus delivered? Who led him and Why? It says in Matthew 4, 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
Now, this is an example in, in Scripture that I want you to be very clear about. It shows how the Spirit is involved in this process of Jesus going through this experience in the flesh, and yet he's still God, about temptation. It's going to teach a lesson about withstanding temptation for our purposes. Because he doesn't need to prove anything to us. But yet, here's this example of how the Spirit is leading Jesus into the wilderness, which the wilderness is a, is a figure of speech in many ways for a lot of us, isn't it? When you're going through a divorce, sometimes you're going through the wilderness. When you're going through a death in the family, you're going through a wilderness. These are all ways to describe barren land, there's nothing around, there's no water, there's no food. The wilderness can be any number of things to us. And yet here's this example about being led into temptation by the Spirit. How close is God to us? Sometimes it's scary how close He is to us. Because He allows these things to happen to us for a reason and a purpose. Sometimes it's for a teaching. Sometimes it's for information to learn about something later on in life. And sometimes it's for you to be an example to others. That's very true. So to where was Jesus delivered? Who led him and why? We just read it. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Sometimes God will lead us into hardship just as Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Perhaps the wilderness wanderings of the Hebrew people give us a hint why God sometimes delivers us into our own places of wilderness. What does Deuteronomy 8 verses 2 and 3 suggest as the purposes of being led into the wilderness? Well, let's go take a look and see what Deuteronomy 8 verses 2 and 3 says. Deuteronomy 8 verses 2 and 3. I'll take my time for those page turners. Still using that old school. It's the best. It's a, <laughs> that's right. Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. This, these, this passage is profound. I'm just going to tell you right now. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might... Humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Pay attention to that. And look at verse 3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that, every, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What in Matthew 4 does Jesus say? He says the very same thing. What you're reading in verse 3 is exactly what he says in Matthew chapter 4. When he's having a conversation with the devil. 
Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So what he's challenging us to keep in mind here as we go through all these different things and experiences is that, first of all, he allows them to happen. He allows them to happen for the purpose of humbling you to the degree that you will have a desire to seek after him more and more in his word. That's how he's communicating with you. He wants to test you and challenge you. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be faithful to him after going through trials and tribulations? He wants you to see this. This is what he's saying. This is very profound. In verses 2 and 3, he's telling you exactly what he's doing to you right now in your life. Are you going to remain faithful? You are going to go through it. You're going to go through stuff. It's going to happen all the time. Are you going to stay with it? Are you going to remain faithful? Are you going to go through the testing and pass the test? Ultimately, passing the test, pass, fail, just like in college, passing the test means you stay faithful. Doesn't matter how you get there, but you got to get there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. And understand something. Not everybody passes. Some people fail. We have believers who fail because they lose hope. Understand that Satan wants you to lose hope. He wants to take that hope away from you. He wants to take away this whole thing about faith. Because faith is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you do have a challenge. You do have a challenge to stay with it. You're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to have days you screw up, okay? You're going to screw it up. It's going to happen. But you're in this for the long haul. If you truly humble yourself and allow him to work with you. Okay, we have to stop there. And what a great place to stop, huh? We'll pick up next week and we'll probably pick up right where we left off and just talk about this. About how God does allow these things to happen but he's still delivering us. We're still being delivered all the time. Amen? Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to look at what your word has to say to us. Lord, continue to challenge us to be the best that we can be in you. Not for boasting purposes, but for the purposes of truly allowing you to work in our lives and humble us to where we recognize we need you. We need you more than we've ever needed you. And Lord, we just thank you that you will answer prayer and answer us when we call. We thank you for your presence. We do pray for relief at times when we go through difficulty and we do struggle and scuffle. But we know that sometimes you allow those things to happen because you're trying to shape us and mold us into something even better. We may not see it that way, but we recognize that that's what's happening.
Help us with this. Help us to continue to be sensitive to others who are struggling as well, too. And we give you praise and thanks, and we ask that you bless now the upcoming message and the speaker. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next week.